Okay, welcome back, everybody. Different voice behind the mic today. Uh, my name is Josh Egan. I'm filling in for James today. This is Offside Hockey Talk you're listening to, and I'm joined today by Jamie and Antonia. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? We're good. We're good. It's, uh, it's a pretty good day. It's nice and sunny, and uh, Leafs are coming off a, a huge win versus Montreal. So every Leaf fan, including myself, should be really happy today. Even though uh, Montreal didn't really play that well last night on back-to-backs with Ottawa, but uh, all in all, Josh and Antonia, it's it's a very good day. So uh, glad to have you guys uh, jump on for James and Jen today. For sure. So. Um... Leafs fans are in a pretty good mood, but I'm thinking one fan base that probably isn't in the best mood right now is the New York Rangers with the whole Tom Wilson situation going on. It was kind of a gong show for, you know, the Rangers franchise. It made the NHL um, player safety department look like a joke. It made the NHL look like a joke. And quite frankly, it made the, uh, you know, the owners of the, of the Rangers look like a joke. And it, overall, it was just a bad look situation for the NHL. So I'd love to get your thoughts on that. And Antonio, why don't we start with you on that whole situation, starting from the beginning all the way to the big fine being handed out? Yeah, um, starting from the beginning with the hit, I I didn't like it. Like I'm not against fighting or anything. Like I like seeing fights and and hits and stuff in the in the NHL. But what I don't like is when people take it too far. And I feel like. Wilson definitely took it too far. I mean, those, I know Panarin was hurt and he's out for the rest of their season, but like the injuries could have been a lot worse considering like what he did. I would say the players are pretty lucky to walk out of that the way they did. Um, Obviously the fine, I definitely think that it should have been a suspension and not a $5,000 fine. I mean, I think it was McKinnon who got a $5,000 fine for tossing or throwing, whatever you want to call it, the helmet at uh, some other player I don't remember who it was um so it's just funny to see that comparison and then you see when the Rangers put out that statement which I think they had every right they had every right to do that and then you compare their $250,000 fine with a $5,000 fine for what Wilson did that I, I don't know like I understand they did it because they I guess they felt embarrassed and that they they felt like personally attacked but I still don't see like that comparison is just funny to me the 250 versus the five and then the suspension that um uh, was it Bushnevich that got the suspension um for the high stick um like I understand like the play on its own should have deserved a suspension but considering circumstances I feel like it wasn't handled in the best way possible for sure. And I just, uh, I did a little breakdown on this and uh, over at the Orient Sportscast, we did a whole 30 minute discussion on it, kind of breaking it down. And it just goes to show how big, how flawed the the player safety is, right? Um, we're, we're looking at a dangerous play from a dangerous player who is a repeat offender according, according to the definition the NHL has put out there. It's on their website. Yeah. Tom Wilson was suspended seven games earlier this year and it's a dangerous play mm-hmm. on I don't want to say Panarin was unsuspected, unsuspected, but you know he did jump on Wilson's back. But I'm sure he wasn't expected to be ragdolled to the ice and then you know yeah. air pulled and punched. And you know he's out for the rest of the season. We know it's only three games, but that's yeah. still you're still without your star player, and it's a bad look at the game. And what that led into was uh, just an absolute joke of a game following the two days later between the Rangers and the Capitals mm-hmm. because right right off the face off and Jamie I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this opening brawl if we could even call it that was just a fight right off the right off the draw and then two fights following that uh they, you know they added up to 100 penalty minutes in the first period and you know this kind of all branched off of all of that from you know uh statements made by both teams the Washington Capitals put out that they put a they were trying to be funny they put out that meme that Wilson was rent free it's it, it was all just a mess so Jamie I'd love to hear your thoughts on that opening draw uh fight there's there's many many angles to to go oh man um I had I had Chris Nyland on the podcast my podcast uh would be this week i believe or last week and for people tuning in to today's conversation go back and listen to his his answer now we could also look at you know sean avery i know it was on tiktok it was on social media away from 
the whole Twitter blow up. But he mentioned something that, you know, if he could turn back in time and play in that game, he wouldn't have gone after Tom Wilson. He would have dumped the puck in the zone and waited for the Washington goalie to come out and play it. And he would have ran the goalie like a, like a tractor trailer or a dump truck or whatever, or an excavator, whatever, whatever, whatever word he used. Like, I, I don't know what side to really, I don't really know how to handle this. I've met George Paris. I've, I'm part of charity events. I'm not trying to say George Paris is a nice person on the golf course or at a hockey rink around his peers. But it's when you look at it, it's it's a CBA thing. They made an agreement that it's a $5,000 fine. Henrik Lundqvist got $5,000 for spraying Sidney Crosby in the face with a water bottle. So maybe they maybe in the summertime, when, instead of going to Florida and having golf tournaments and Boca Raton and all that fun stuff, why don't you really just deep dive into the players agreement, the CBA, the collective bar- bargaining agreement. That's that's where the problem is, right? When you look at a collective bargaining agreement and you've only decided five grand, now you have to factor in too, Panarin did jump on the back of Tom Wilson. And and to clarify, Antonia, Bushkevich got a five in a game for cross check. I know it was a, looked like a high stick, but really it's, there's a difference when you get a, an actual cross check to the face. I've gone through junior hockey all this year, and that happened five or six times. That, I know it's junior A hockey, but that happens all the time because I know players now have cages and they can't punch the guy in the face. So what they do now is they take the stick and they go right up, right up to the chin and they cross check guys. That's an automatic one or two game suspension. Now, if Buskevich was a repeat offender, he obviously gets a lot more, but like you can't compare also the Crosby tackle in Philadelphia. That's not even close. Like there's Twitter just, there was two sides of it. Like people just saying stuff that didn't make sense. But then there was also people that actually follow hockey that are reporters that invest in talking about hockey. They actually uh, made some great points as far as like what George Paris was thinking in the war zone. Like I call it the war zone or the war office or whatever they call it. I don't know. Like, like I've met, I've met him in person. I'm not going to say he did a shitty job. Now did Dolan or the Rangers know that they were going to get $250,000 when they made that statement. I don't know, but it, it's, it's tough. It's always said during the scrums during, you know, Tortorella is known for saying, th- <clears throat> excuse me, saying things and then bite and then, um, and then getting in trouble for it afterwards. But as far as your question, Josh, like Panarin, like Panarin jumped on Tom Wilson, right? And Tom Wilson didn't care who, like, it didn't matter if it was Sidney Crosby or like when you're on the ice and it's a battle zone, you don't, it doesn't matter who you're squaring off against. Panarin had, if Panarin understood what the consequences were going to be, he probably wouldn't have did what he did. But when you're in the battle zone and you're in the mix and you don't, you're looking at, oh my God, like, would have Panarin jumped on Ryan Reeves back in the moment? Who knows? But when you're in the moment and you're in that game and, and you see Tom Wilson beating the crap out of Buskevich, Panarin was the guy. Like, it's happened in junior all year. We've had long line changes, the wrong guys out there, and we've had goon lines beating up our top six line. It just happens. You've got to defend yourself. And Panarin just said, hey, I don't care about the consequences, and I'm just going to go jump on um, uh, Wilson's back and – and what Buskevich did, you know, it's it. Look at the Rangers right now. Dolan clean is cleaning house because he's he. I know he's impulsive. And if you guys want more on this, like Kyle Hall, the Broadway Hat podcast, who covers the Rangers, he says it best. Like it's just an absolute joke right now in New York. They don't have they 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 sent Brandon Lemieux to the Los Angeles Kings, right? So. Yeah. The Rangers right now are just kind of like a, uh, like the, like a, the smallest team in the league, very young, and should have Quinn had Panarin on the ice, 
to, to go against Wilson. Like, Washington's built for the playoffs. You build your team around Tom Wilson, Brad Marchand, Ryan Reeves. So whether the play was dirty, what the NHL knew after just giving a $5,000 slap on the wrist to Tom Wilson, they obviously knew what was going to happen two days later. And it happened in New Jersey. The exact same thing. Right. And, and not to take away from TJ Oshie's hat trick, because everyone's forgot about that. That was the, that was the best story out of that whole game. TJ Oshie goes out and gets a hat trick, very emotional because his father passed away. And now everyone's just going on about Tom Wilson. I know we're talking about it four days later, but this just happens to be when we talk and it, it's, it's okay to talk about it, but it just, it, it should have been a, a five minute conversation, maybe an hour in the morning, the day after, but it's, it, this is going to be talked about a long time because really it's the CBA or it's the players, NHL PA that agreed on this $5,000 fine maximum. And that's all you can do. That's, that's the only thing you guys, sorry. That's the only thing you can do right now is just say, Hey, that's how the CBA works. It's a, it's a slap on the wrist. Um, and then, and then they try to compare with other situations but Wilson's a repeat offender like I, I don't know what the thought process and you gotta think too Josh and Antonia like if you go back and watch YouTube video after YouTube video George Paros he wasn't a goon he played the game right but he was one of those guys that fought and fought his way through the National Hockey League maybe he's not the right guy for player safety Maybe that's an option. That's an, an option they had to look at too. But really, what it comes down to, my final point is the CBA agreed on that five thousand dollar agreement. There's nothing you can do. And and yeah. that, and that's my thought. Last thought on on that on that uh, question, Josh. Yeah, the CBA. It's there's a whole bunch of elements in this, and I think the two main ones that we need to take away from it is um, I'm in full agreement. I think the way the Rangers went about it was maybe a little bit aggressive, and that reflected in the quarter million dollar fine they received um but george peros probably isn't the guy for the job i'm sure he's a nice guy uh you know class act off off the ice uh, with his charities and all that but when it comes to handing out suspensions and being able to you know we, we saw a similar play not a similar play but on the same night uh, shane gostaspair got a two-game suspension for a cross check um after an empty netter and yeah that was probably a suspension and yeah i agree with that but you know, it really depends. Um, I guess it's situation wise. I, I don't want to get too in deep into it because then you can start getting into a bunch of like conspiracy theories where people are saying, well, Wilson golfs, golfs with him in the off season. I don't want to get into all that. because It's probably not true. Um, but I think the NHL needs to take a long, hard look in the mirror. And, you know, maybe my suggestion was that I put in my article and in the video we put out was they need a third party to do this. Someone who's not associated with the game, someone who can look at the rule book and say, OK, this is what he did. This is what they're getting. Um, and then I, you'll see these dangerous plays eliminated because, and don't get me wrong. I love a good fight. Uh, I love big hits. I love those, uh, you know, messes in front of the net, big hits behind the net, whatever you want to call it. But when a player is, you know, in danger of getting hurt because of reckless and dangerous play, that's what needs to be eliminated because eventually it's going to lead to, and you know, knock on wood for this. It's going to lead to Austin Matthews getting sucker punched in the face and he misses 10 games in the playoffs. Or, you know, Connor McDavid going hard into the boards off a dirty hit because someone just wanted to take him out and that guy only gets two games, but McDavid is now out for 20 or something like that, right? So I think we could put a nice little bow in this and move on to something more positive. Uh, last night, the Leafs played the Habs 5-2 victory and Austin Matthews scored his 40th of the season and that's impressive in itself, but what's more impressive is he's done it with pretty much a bum wrist. Uh, he's been quoted as being unable to hold a stick for a majority of the season and he scored 40 in 49 games which is i've never seen something in my lifetime that impressive um goal scoring wise what mcdavid's doing right now is just equally if not more impressive but matthew scoring 40 antonio i'd love to hear your thoughts on that whole push matthew's been doing this season just his dominance on the ice yeah um i think like you said uh matthews is he's having an, uh, an unbelievable season same with mcdavid like you said, um, it's just, I, I I feel like it's, a lot of people are saying like they feel so lucky to be able to watch people like this. And it's true because it's not so often that you get to see players like this that are able to literally go on the ice every night. And it's like guaranteed that, okay, Austin Matthews is going to get a goal this game because he gets a goal 
almost every game. And same for McDavid. He goes on the ice, you know that he's at least going to walk away minimum with one point. So I, it's, it's very, very lucky for all of us to be able to watch this. Um, but I think in particular um, with Matthews, I think actually one thing that I liked, I think it was of his 40 goals, 25 were assisted by Marner. I think it was. Um, and I, I think that was, that was really cool too. Cause Marner is also having an unbelievable season. And just to see like, that just shows the, the chemistry that the two of them have and um, not to underscore Matthew's success, obviously on his own, he's awesome too, but I just think, you know, it's a team sport and obviously like Matthews wouldn't be able to do it all on his own. But aside from that, he's, he's having a great season. And um, I don't know. I, I just, I, it scares me too, though, because when we, when we're going to be playing a team like um, Winnipeg, for example, like in the last game, a lot of people are saying, just sit Matthews, just sit him because, you know, we don't want him to get injured right before the playoffs and things like that. So like, He's, he's also become a, a very big target for the tough guys on other teams, but I just, uh, it's, it's unbelievable for him. And I think also if he didn't get hurt um, for those few games that he was out with his wrist, like you said, um, I, I think he would have come close to, if not would have met uh, 50, 50 goals. Yeah. That's the crazy thing. Uh, excuse me. That's the crazy thing. Just, being he's even missed games playing games injured there was a couple games where the only way he was scoring was tipping pucks in front of the net just a simple you know a simple tap in and just the way he's been doing this and uh, uh james you there yeah what's up yeah uh but just uh we're just talking about matthews hitting 40 last night the dominance he's had this season just your thoughts on that well you know with austin matthews what can you say you know the crazy thing was i was hearing today that you know there was points this season he couldn't even hold a stick you know, yeah. where he was trying out different knobs and things like that to allow him to, I guess, just grab the stick in any sort of way. So, yeah, you guys, I heard you guys at the tail end there talking about the fact that he was healthy. I, I think 55-plus would have been his plateau this year, uh, the way he was scoring at will for that little bit. And he went hand in case with the power play too, right? The power play started to suffer once he got his wrist injury. It wasn't the same, hasn't been the same. So, yeah, everything seems to run through him. Just a dominant season overall by him. Jamie, any uh, any words on the Matthews 40th marker last night? Um, I I haven't. Yeah, it's it's great. He's scoring 40 goals, but I kind of I'm kind of worried because is he overshadowed right now with McDavid 95, 96 points? Like which which Mark is is more exciting. Matthew's trying to get to 50 or winning the the Rocket Richard trophy, which is handed out to the person with the most goals in the National Hockey League, or is people more looking at McDavid right now reaching a hundred and fifty-five? I think it's subjective because I guess you know, yeah, the Oilers okay, fan perfect. base, they're gonna be pumped about what McDavid and to be honest, I'm watching Oilers games right now because I just want to see how many points this guy's gonna put up left. I'm, I'm watching their game last night and they're down four nothing quickly, but I'm like, I'm not turning this off because McDavid and he did it, you know, casual three points again. He's been doing that day, uh, night in, night out. And now he's he's gonna pass that hundred point marker and I'm gonna hit that parlay bet that I had at the beginning of the season because of it. So it's it's just gonna be something that I think every hockey fan wants to see the Oilers are already in the playoffs. So it, it doesn't really have an effect on any other team because he's the, it's a personal goal for him, right? Same as Matthew sitting 40. It was a foregone conclusion when he hit 35, that it was going to happen. Um, and I, I think it's good for the game of hockey too, because you're seeing these guys play their best and they're playing, they're, they've been playing each other nine games this season too. And we got to see that best on best hockey that we've been wanting to see and dying for in this Canadian division between Matthews and McDavid and it's just been a, a treat to watch in the way that we see these two just go head to head and, it, and they're they're highlighting what they're best known for right like McDavid's known for just his overall play so the fact that he's leading the league in points is perfect and the fact that Austin is known for his goal scoring and he's leading the league in goals it, it matches up it would be strange if 
you know, it was the, the roles were reversed. I wouldn't be shocked. It would just, maybe that would have a little bit more of a narrative, but this one, it just kind of fits their, their narratives perfectly. I don't know if I nailed that on the head or not, or if anybody has any thoughts. No, no, you, you nailed that perfectly. What I would say is this is the, the new age Crosby Ovechkin. Exactly. That's exactly what this is where, you know, McDavid's going to go off and, you know, go off on points. Matthew's going to go off on goals. That's the way I look at it. You know, I don't know, man, this season, if it was a full 82 game season, just imagine. I look at Austin Matthews and say, could you have gotten 65 plus? Could you got 70 if you were on an absolute heater the way he is? Now you want to see an 82 game season out of him because you want to see what he can get. Same thing with McDavid. You know, McDavid, 100 points in 56 games is probably going to happen. But then you see, okay, what would it be over 82? But then everybody says, well, the, the, you know, the value of competition would be higher here, there, and everywhere. I don't buy that argument. A great player is going to find a way to get his points and his cookies. And McDavid's done it every year. And Austin Matthews has scored the goals every year. So that argument seems moot to me, but yeah. Yeah. I've heard that, you know, level of competition argument too. And I took a look at, um, it was a quick search because we did it mid show uh, yesterday. We just took a look at one of the questions. One of my co-hosts asked me was would McDavid hit a hundred points if he wasn't in the Canadian division. And I said, hell yeah, he would. And I took a look at just the goals against that each team is allowed. You have to go up 15 spots until you find the second Canadian team, which was Vancouver for goals against. So yeah, I don't buy that either. Same with, same with Austin. He would still be at the, on the same goal pace. Um, let's move on to the goaltending because Frederick Anderson played his first, I guess, lick of professional hockey in just over six weeks yesterday. He played 31 minutes with the Marlies and he made 14 saves on 16 shots early on. He didn't look too hot, but then he seemed to settle down a little bit. And it was announced uh, about an hour ago, he will play a full game with the Marlies tomorrow when they play the Manitoba Moose. So what can we expect out of this little conditioning stint? Because the way I look at it is he's going to finish up his stint with the Marlies. I don't know if he'll use those full three games, but then the Leafs only have two games left after that one against Winnipeg and one against Ottawa, I believe Uh, maybe not in that order, but the, I'm running out for this guy to get into an NHL game and I don't feel comfortable having him play his first lick of NHL play in over, it would be eight weeks at that point in game one of the playoffs when it really, really matters. So I'd love to hear, you know, whoever wants to jump in here, what, what they're, what the Leafs are trying to do with Freddie here and what they're looking to get out of it. Well, it's, it's pretty easy. I mean, they made the roster moves today and I'll let uh, everybody else jump in in a second here, but you mean they made the roster moves today with Sandine and they said it's completely cap reflective. So that means to me, they want to get him in full game tomorrow, see where he's at, where he's progressing. And then I think you put him in against Ottawa. That's the game you put him in, obviously a lower ranked team, not as many weapons, all that kind of stuff, whatever, you know, they have nothing to play for. It's not, shouldn't be that hard of a game. Not that they won't compete Ottawa, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. It's not that level of competition. Then I think you see a split game between him and Campbell on the Winnipeg Jets game, have them both ready, both tested, both playing that game against Winnipeg. Cause Toronto really honestly has nothing to play for at this point. Uh, first place. I know it's not locked up, signed, sealed and delivered, but it pretty much is. Um, so I could see a split game in the NHL between Campbell and Freddie, or you give Freddie both of those starts. But I think the the plan is to get him in the lineup. Also, uh, another thing too, Riley Nash is uh, sporting a red jersey at practice. So, you know, you might get to see him in a game as well and maybe a couple moves retroactive to the uh, LTIR with uh, Felino and Hyman, you know, because both of those guys know the role, know where they fit, and you know you can put them in the lineup and they're fine. You know, they don't need much seasoning to get back. Um, but with Freddie, you definitely want him, like you said, Josh, between the pipes before the dance starts for the playoffs. But they definitely want to give him that ball and every opportunity to uh, to run with it. But I'm interested to hear what everybody else got to say. Yeah, and Tony, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, uh, so I think, I think everyone knew that they wanted to have Freddie and Campbell as the goalie duo going into the playoffs and that Riddick was just like the extra guy. Um, but I think a lot of people were like blowing up after Freddie led in the first, um, the first two goals. And I mean, obviously we like, we don't want to see that happen, but I feel like everyone has to remember he's coming off of a knee injury and that's not easy for goalies to come off of. 
Um, and, you know, after, after those two goals, he did settle down. I believe he ended up stopping 12 of 14 shots he faced. Yep. So yeah. it's, it's a good, like he, he played well. I don't think for his first game back, anyone should have really expected like him to be a complete shutdown goalie, because I don't really think that that was realistic. I mean, he is an NHL goalie, but circumstances in play, like it's, it's a little bit different. And I, I don't know, I just think that a lot of people overreacted, but I definitely think it's, it's really good for him to be able to get this practice um, or these practice games because just working in practice with the Leafs and having them shoot on him, like that has, that's nowhere near what an actual game is like. So for him, even if it's with the Marlies to be able to get in these couple games, I definitely think it's good. And then I would like to see him, of course, before the playoffs start. I hope that they'd be able to get him in, um, like you were saying, for the Ottawa and Winnipeg game. That way, at least, like, they can still choose to go with Campbell because he's in, like, he's on a roll right now. He's in his groove, so he might be the safer bet. But I definitely think Freddie has to be given a chance to um, step into an NHL game to get that feel. That way, if Campbell does falter, like, if that does happen in the playoffs, you know that Freddie isn't going to be stepping into an NHL game without having NHL practice before the playoffs. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm working on an article right now about the whole leaps goaltending situation. And one of the things I'm kind of stumbling on is that Campbell has the skill to do it, but not the experience. And this mm -hmm. is just based off this season, but then you look at Freddie and he's got the experience, but he doesn't quite seem to have the skill at the moment. So I think mm -hmm. that's something they're kind of battling. I don't know if Jamie, you have something to say about that. Um, my my thoughts on the Anderson um, situation, I I see him play May 12th versus the Senators. Then we've got the Jets. So we've got Montreal tomorrow night. So we'll see Campbell or maybe Riddich play. Um, but it makes sense to me to see Anderson maybe play on the May 12th versus the Senators. Gives him that one game. I know it's a lesser team, but it still gives him NHL action. And then we see Campbell I, I don't mean to keep repeating myself, but you look at the situation St. Louis had. Biddington came in. You've got to, it doesn't matter about dollars and cents, right? $700,000 goalie compared to whatever Anderson's making or whatever Campbell's making to an $8 million goalie, $9 million. It doesn't really matter. Like I know Leaf Nation is impatient. We're all impatient. We haven't won a Stanley Cup since 1967. So you've got to understand, like, I'm, I'm putting all my apples to, to give you the, the, to give you my best answer. I'm putting all my apples in Campbell's basket right now. I'm on the Campbell train, right? I've hopped off the Simmons train and I'm on the Campbell train, right? You just got to go with the, like, uh, it, it doesn't even matter. I've played nets. I've, I talked to goaltenders that deal with NHL guys every day. That doesn't matter. My own opinion my gut opinion is what matters the most for me, at least I'm going with, I'm going with Zach, excuse me. I'm going with Jack Campbell, but that's, if you were to ask me, what game do you see Josh Anderson play the most common sense? Freddie answer, Anderson. Freddie Anderson. Yeah. I get him. I get Josh and I get that other Anderson. The Marley's all mixed up and whatever, but I'm, I'm going with, Freddie Anderson. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks, James. Um, I'm going with uh, Freddie Anderson um, versus the Senators. I know it's the Senators, but it's an NHL game, man. P people thought the Ottawa Senators weren't even going to win 10 games. They're up to 21 games. They're a National Hockey League team. Who cares if they're a lesser team than Vancouver, Calgary, Winnipeg? Give them the, give them the game versus the Senators. Give Campbell this game against the Jets and then you know, call a spade a spade and then, and then see what Keith makes, what decision Keith makes after the next three games. I, I don't know. I don't really know what to tell you, but I listen, think if Freddie comes in and is able to win the game against Ottawa, win the game against Winnipeg, if he plays both, whatever. And he shows some level of the Freddie Anderson we've come to expect after four years with an organization, dragging them to the playoffs and being there, bailing them out so many nights, being the only guy to hold them in games at times and then the past year and a bit, you know, where we've had this wonky pandemic stuff and, you know, maybe the knee injury factored in for Freddie. I, I feel the fan base is not only just turned on him, but just likes the shiny new toy. I'm a huge guy for loyalty. You know, Freddie Anderson has gone out there, done his job, 
played this year when he was hurt because we had no other option, probably further injured himself, hence the reason why he was on the shelf so long to begin with. I think he's earned the right if he plays well. That's the caveat I'll throw in there. But other than that, I think he's earned the right to have game one of the playoffs. And I've said this to you, Josh. I've said this to you, Jamie. And Antonio, I'll say this to you. If he falters in game number one, you have six more games of runway to play with. Then you turn to Jack Campbell, who has been your hot hand. But I think you owe it to Freddie Anderson, the goaltender that has been there, your constant for so long. And may I add, you haven't given him support the past few years. Mm-hmm. Campbell's been that support. McElhaney was a flash in the pan of support, but who's his backup been? He's battled with Sparks and Hutchinson. They've gone through a mill of guys before they got to Campbell. So I think he earned the right to where he gets to start that first game. And I feel the loyalty from the organization, the player should be there. And if you listen to anybody who talks about the Leafs locker room, whether it's Alter, Koshan, Myrtle, you name it, they all talk about how everybody in that locker room is pulling and wanting to see Freddie Anderson on the ice. So you not only have to give him it from loyalty standpoint, but you also want to make sure you keep the morale of the team high. If you give the guy the opportunity and he falters, then you can say, guys, we gave him the ball. He couldn't carry it. He's still going to be a part of this team, but we're going with Campbell. Then you've crossed all your T's, dotted all your I's. But loyalty is key, and the Leafs are trying to build this culture where they're with their players, they support their players, and it's all different than it used to be back in the day. So this is another step for that. You show loyalty, even though the guy's not signed for next year, you still show that loyalty, and players in spades love that 100%. For sure, and that's, I mean, we can talk about the whole goaltending situation all day. The only way we're going to get an answer is when we see uh, when we see the lineup tweeted out for game one about uh, if they get puck drop seven, 6.30, I'm sure we'll find out. Uh, Speaking of tweets being put out an hour ago, uh, Kristen Shilton from TSN has tweeted out that Adam Brooks will go in for Stefan Nosen and Ben Hutton will go in for Sandine and that the situation is related more to salary cap than anything else. So it looks like the Leafs are up to a little bit of, uh, you know, working Brandon Pridham overtime with this whole salary cap situation. So what do we think is going on here? Because they got three games left. I'm pretty sure Keith... Keith and Dubas have a general idea of what they want their playoff lineup to look like. Are they getting a, a look at these guys, or do you think it actually is related to the salary cap? Oh, definitely. And in Deltoni, I'll let you enter right after this. Sorry. I'm just very, uh, very hot off that uh, Freddie talk. But um, it definitely is salary related for one. And for two, we watched them do this towards the, uh, the, the trade deadline, guys. They pushed everybody they could into the lineup to get them closest they could to that LTIR relief. And this may just be more of that, getting the contracts either down or closer to the limit, whatever way Pridham's seeing that he needs to make it work, to either pull a guy off and put a guy on, so like a Hyman or a Foligno, uh, just to free up more of that space, or it's to be able to pull someone off and have the maximum amount of cap space where it's dollars and cents. I mean, we've seen how close they came trade deadline day to being you know, XYZ close to the cap. I think it was not even 40 grand they had in space and ended up being before they did the LTIR stuff. So Pridham's a cat magician. That's why he's there. He wrote the rules. He knows all the loopholes and all the, the basically ins and outs. So they're going to try to maximize their roster and get who they can, you know, into a couple games before the end of the season. And I think they really want to see what Riley Nash can do if he's ready. And they really want to see what Freddie can do in an NHL game. And you have to pull both those players off of LTIR. And the only way to do that is to make the dollars and cents work. And that's why I think this is all cap shenanigans again. Antonio, I'll turn that over to you. Yeah. Um, I don't know how, like how in depth, like, I don't know the cap, all the cap stuff, like in depth, but I'm assuming I don't think that anybody does. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's very difficult, but I'm, I'm assuming it, it has to do with that. Um, but I also think that a little, like a little uh, bit of it has to do with trying to see who they want to keep in. I know there's going to be at least like one guy out of Brooks, Makaya, like all of them that are going to get um, a permanent spot. So I think it's like a bit of both, possibly more towards the cap side. Um, but I also think that Keith also kind of has an idea already of what he's going to go with. I think it's just maybe the uh, positioning of the lineup, like in terms of um, – I know before Felino got hurt, Keith had said that he wanted to try Felino elsewhere to see, because he had only played with Matthews and Marner. So he wanted to see if he worked anywhere else. 
Um, so I think he knows who is going to be in the lineup. I feel like it's more just um, positioning and where everyone's going to be. So I think it, it is leaning more towards cap that these moves are being made. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the whole, the whole cap situation is definitely confusing if uh, you don't, you know, pretty much read the CBA in and out. Jamie, what do you think about this? It's, it's a different year for everybody, even Leaf fans that I talk to, because it's almost like we never experienced this much depth since being a fan. Like, we've got so much depth. We've got... The Nosen came over from San Jose and that three-way deal, however he came over. And people mentioned last night, why is Brooks being dropped for Nosen? We've got so much depth, and I don't know the whole cap situation. I don't know when the word comes across my desk and, and it, the, when the word retaining comes up on my desk, I don't even know what that means either. So it's, it's these all these big words like retaining and – uh, cap this and and Tampa Bay started the whole cap thing and and it's just all mushy in my head, but you've got to understand we've got so much depth right now that it it's good to have because it, it, it's better to do this now instead of into the playoffs. Then we've you know hate to say this, but now or sorry, when it goes into playoffs, we don't want to have to rely on Martin Marincin like we did last year. We've got so much guys now in place, right? You got Riley Nash, we've got uh, Hutton, we've got Brooks, we've got um, Sandine. Um, I do want to mention my Sandine uh, note here, but it just you, you got to just understand we've got so much depth right now. Like if a guy gets dropped because they want to put nose in it, Keith wants to know how he played. I know he only played 10 minutes last night, but now he got played an NHL game. He can see what he can do. And, you know, people complaining today, why is Hutton take over Sandine's spot? Well, we've got to understand. We've got to see how he plays in the playoffs. We've got to, like, it just, it's, it comes down to it. It's just people are impulsive, just not realizing the whole big picture. And we're not used to this. Right, we're not used to the depth. Like last year, we had to rely on Martin Marincin to save save the day because Muzzin went down. Right, it just like I could go on for days, but you just you got to be patient, right? And when you get to talk about lease every week, you really got to settle yourself down and and just talk about the practicals, talk about what actually matters. These people that are on Twitter going on about why are you playing this guy, why is this guy like it's just. They don't read. They don't read deep into into it. They're just not really into it. They're fans, but they really well, don't I'll, understand the actual. I'll counter. I'll counteract you there, Jamie, because I think it is important that we ask these questions because we want to understand these lineup changes and why they're coming 100%. in. Because 100%. if if you you know you're playing Standine and like he's looked solid, I'll agree with that. And then you see Ben Hutton drawing in. I want to know why. I want to know the thought process behind that. I'm not saying you know I, I'm going to question the call up of let's just say Martin Marinson or whatever, because that would be to an injury. But I want to understand the thought process between having Hutton in there. Is it an experience thing because they want to carry an experienced team into this playoffs, which has been proven to pay off, or is it actually a salary cap issue? Like that, that's just my thought process on that whole thing. I don't mind the lineup changes because at the end of the day, we're talking about a depth forward or a depth defenseman. When I, see the lineup i see my top six is still intact i'm like okay yeah sweet matthews is still playing he's gonna carry this team to a victory right it's the depth lineups that they kind of keep me interested in what's going on if, if that makes sense 100 percent, josh but it, i know i see some of it being a question why are you dropping this guy but it's it's, it's more oh brooks is playing so well why are you dropping brooks to go for nosen that's that's the other factor too a lot of people are pissed because brooks got uh, dropped out of the lineup. Why is Robertson going down to the minors? Now that's a legit question because they don't want to burn. They don't want to play him eleven games because then that burns his entry level or however that works. That's a legitimate question. Why is Robertson down with the Marlies? Right, he's down there looking like Austin Matthews. Why isn't he with the big club? Well, this is a question gets asked all the time. It's because they don't want to burn. You only play nine games. And after your 10th game, you're, you've an hour at the big club and it burns the whole year. So they didn't want to burn a year. That's why my, uh, Robertson is down with the Marlies. 
That's a legit question. But don't start blasting the Leafs or Keith saying, why is Brooks out of the lineup? Because we've got to see how Nosen plays out. And that's that's not what a lot of people see. You're 100% correct, though, on we, we do have to try to educate those fans because they want to know why Brooks is not in the lineup. But there's also other people lashing out at Keith saying, well, that was a stupid move. It wasn't a stupid move. We've got so much depth right now, they're probably just not used to used to all of it. Really what it comes down to. And the salary. Yeah, well, I mean, it's circles back to what we stuff. just talked about, about this being, you know, strictly cap related. I mean, it's it's not calculated about who is going to be better. I mean, it always is good to see what your depth can do. But in this situation, I think like uh, Antonio said, uh, you, you know, you just want to, you want to be able to get guys into the lineup. And, you know, the best way you do that for the guys who are on LTIR is you have to do some cap shenanigans. And that's what this is. Rasmus Sandin's proved his worth. Brooksy's proved his worth. Cool. But right now you got to figure out how to get these guys in our LTIR into a couple of games and, you know, fine tune them a little bit so they're ready to go. And I don't know. It, to me, I want to be able to, for me, I'm a big guy. And Josh, you're probably like this. Antonio, you're probably like this too. I want to see behind the curtain. All the time. That's why I'm sorry. Sorry to just go off. Sorry to just go off track here. That's why I'm excited for like this Amazon series they're doing because I don't know how much they're going to show us. It's probably not a lot, but you know, it's just seeing behind the scenes, like a little peek at what we. Oh, I can't wait. Like, do you remember that winter, the winter classic series? We got uh, what they called a peek behind the curtain, but it wasn't really because when it got down to that Dion Funif contract extension, they closed the doors and we didn't get to see that. But (laughs) it was just like a little peek behind the curtain, and that's what hockey's missing, I think. People want to ask questions and everyone's uh, and, uh, you know, I guess we could call it the old boys club are saying, no, you're not getting the answers. So, you know, I, I think it's just natural to ask questions and it has been a little bit better this year with the, uh, you know, ever, well, ever since Lou left, really just the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the team seems more see-through and they're not hiding anything. Um and more but, open. Know, more open, yeah. Transparent, that's the word I was looking for. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we could talk about this all day. I know we're running uh, close on time. So why don't we finish with uh, kind of – I'd like to get everyone's opinion on this. I'll lay out the situation for you. The Vancouver Canucks obviously have more games to play than everybody else. On May 16th, they start a three-game stretch against Calgary. Both those teams will hopefully by then have been eliminated from the playoffs. So my – thought process here is the nhl they can move forward with the playoffs starting let's say on the 18th or whatever that wednesday is and still have these teams if they want them to or need them to because of tv money or the ranking in the draft lottery finish out those games they don't want those games going head-to-head with playoff games because we all know the canadian markets or the vancouver market the calgary market they will probably tune into a canadian game over like a minnesota wild game so what my thought process here is they're going to play those games but we might see those games starting at noon or 1 p.m just so they can start the playoffs when they wanted to maybe a week later than they wanted to and not have these teams sitting around for two weeks waiting for two at the time irrelevant teams battle it out um does this seem like a fair solution or am i kind of out of whack here thinking that the nhl would do a solution that was that smart i don't think they have much foresight into it to be honest josh I'll let Antonia answer that one before I say something uh, not too foolish. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not too sure either. I feel like if, I mean, in regards to the the teams, uh, like the players and stuff that are in the playoffs, uh, I I almost wonder if I don't. I don't know if they like. I have no idea if the team if they would ask the teams like if the teams would have a say. Like I doubt it, but. Um, like, I don't know if they would take into consideration the fact that these teams are going to be off for however long it is, a week, uh, two weeks, whatever it is. Uh, I don't know if that would be taken into consideration. And they would say, like, they don't want them to be um, not playing for X amount of time. So let's try and, and start uh, earlier than it would have been if we waited for Vancouver to finish. Um, I don't know. I I feel like it would only be it would only be a few days difference anyway because Vancouver finishes on not the nineteenth I think yeah nineteenth yeah so um, it would only be like a, a few days difference I don't know again money wise and like all that stuff if it makes a difference for the NHL but yeah I don't know I don't I I can see them waiting but at the same time I can see them just saying like let's just start yeah I think 
you know, in school, in the program I'm in, sport management at Humber, give them a shout out because it's a solid program. Um, we did take a look at like media rights and deals and they would be losing quite a bit of money if they were to just cancel the games. I don't think that's something they will want to do considering they have to cancel games last year as well. Um, so they, I, just in my opinion, kind of having a touch on uh, a little bit of insight just to how these things work. These games will probably end up being played, but I'm thinking they might be noon games, you know, 1 p.m. games, 2 p.m. games, kind of like a little a little appetizer into the playoff games, if you will, which I think that would actually be pretty cool. You know, if the playoffs start on a Wednesday, you can start getting ready. You know, maybe you get a 3 p.m. game between Canucks and the Flames. That might be a little fun, a little different approach to it. Um, it but you never know, right? Like you said, the NHL likes to do things the difficult way. Jamie, I don't know what you think about the, the way they're going to, finish out this schedule in an almost impossible situation. It, <laughs> it, it is, it is what it is. It's just that type of year. Um, nine games in 14 days for the Vancouver Canucks. Like I know the Leafs aren't in that position. They get three games now in the next week or so, but it's, I feel bad. Like it's, it, feel bad for Travis Green. I, I feel bad for those guys. Like, you know, it's not their fault, right? It's nine games in 14 days that they've got to play it out. And uh, you're right. The TV deals are what's paying or paying some of the bills. And, um, you know, you got to respect that, right? The TV guys are dishing out money. They People in Vancouver want to see Canucks hockey. You know, we've got, we've got Quinn Donovan front. We know who, quite well front of the show he's he wants to see canucks hockey he doesn't want to see a, a team just fold their tent and take off just because they've got nine games left six more than the least like it's give it give the fans what they deserve in vancouver calgary whoever's got the majority of the games left you know i'm not pumping anybody's tires here i'm just saying like it's that's what really it comes down to the TV deals and give, give the Vancouver fans what, the, what they deserve at the end of the day. But I'm not even, I'm not uh, really sure how to really answer that, but um, do I have a quick second just to, to vent my Sandine note or do we want to move on? Uh, I'll give you 45 seconds. Cause my dog is crying. Well, I got six points. What point am I going to say next? Okay. Um, I'll talk about the, I've got a Flino rant too, but that's, that can wait. The Sandine rant. Okay. Well, if you guys, you guys obviously watched the game last night. Yep. Who, who was the two defensemen on the ice for the Toronto Maple Leafs when Montreal scored both goals? Dermot and Sandine. The amount of crap that Sandine, I don't know what Twitter you guys are paying attention to. I don't know if I'm, my Twitter is different than yours, but everyone's crapping on Sandine because to be honest, now, he's a 21-year-old defenseman. Who knows when Bogosian's going to come back into the lineup? We may not see Bo... Bo definitely want to see Bogo over Sandine, 100%. That's not even an argument. But you've, I know you're 21 years old, but you've got to dump that puck off the boards. That goal only happened because he didn't shoot it off the boards, and they're shitting on him this morning. And I understand. Like, you, I don't trust endermit, right? I think I think maybe if Hutton can kind of get his game going, we may see Hutton over Dermot. You got the Sandine Brody. That's Brody. Sorry, Sandine on the back end last time on the power play. The guy's a stud. No, no, in no way down the road, Sandine makes Riley expendable. If they trade Riley or let him go because Sandine's up and come, he's still got two or three years, maybe two years left, maybe next year and a half. So for people. For people to sit there on Twitter this morning and say, oh, yeah, he cost us the game. We've been seeing this all for 20 years in that Boston series. We lost a 4 nothing lead. We were, it became 4-2 because Dermot and Sandine, I know they had a little blunder. It wasn't Campbell's fault. But just for people that are bashing Sandine this morning, it's going to happen. Now, hopefully stuff like that doesn't happen in the playoffs because we understand – Four, four nothing leads evaporate very quickly. I saw it this year. I'm not going to get into how I saw it, but it happens. You can lose a four nothing lead pretty quickly. Now, yeah, I think like it's so you know with with a young guy like Sandine, it's 
yeah, he shouldn't have done that. But I think if we're yeah. nitpicking at, at that on a 5-2 win, where the Leafs look pretty dominant, that we're getting kind of deep into right. things just to look for. So, so in, in Sandin's defense, base. correct. In Sandin's defense, you hope in the playoffs you score more goals than the goals you allow in. And and to be honest, the my last point, Caden Primo, that wasn't his game to play. He, he was not ready for the Toronto Maple Leafs back-to-back. Caden Primo should have played the Senators game. If we had seen Jake Allen play the whole game last night, and he had to come in at a 4 nothing lead in an unplanned game, that was not Jake Allen's time to come in. It was either Ducharme's fault or or the whole team's fault. It wasn't Caden Primo's fault. So that's another point. Okay, so you've just got to start stop jumping on backs of players because we're we're going to end up. It's like Jake Gardner, right? Guys, we're just going to end up throwing guys out of town. Dion Phaneuf, right? It, it, you know, Jake Allen played last night. We would have seen a different game. We wouldn't have seen the four nothing first period shellacking. So it's Twitter's got to really settle down and just understand. Like Sandine is twenty one years old. Give the guy a break, right? But you've got you also realize we've got so much depth right now. It's a blessing, right? So if Hutton plays tonight over Sandine, there's a method behind the madness. And yeah. that's and and uh, we'll get to the Flano the, the Flano topic some other day because wh- why did you give up a first round pick for Nick Felino? Well, geez, like I can open up that can of worms, but we don't have 15 minutes. We'll save that. But you've got to realize if you watch the movie Draft Day. And you watch the movies that <clears throat> you watch movies, football or hockey, and they talk about drafts. You've got to give up stuff to get somebody. Columbus knew what they were, what they had, and Toronto wanted it, so tr- they wanted a first round pick. So if you got to understand that too, why are you putting Felino on the third line when we gave up a first round pick, right? Why is why is why is Galchenyuk playing like second line or he? Galchenyuk should play third line. Hyman should be playing the first line. We gave up a first round pick for Nick Felino. Nick Felino doesn't just go right to the first line. You've got to see what works. And I don't give a shit if, if, if Matthew starts playing fourth line minutes or he's on the fourth line contributing. It, it, you got to find the best way to win the Stanley Cup. And that's the ultimate prize. So stop bitching and complaining on who's going to play where. What about Sandine? Why is Hutton coming into the lineup? And that's, 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 it is what it is. So I, I just wanted to get that off my chest because yeah, I'm just, sure. I, I'm just really tired of people wearing the Leafs jersey and just kind of just saying, okay, Sandine's garbage because he couldn't get it off the boards. Like, come on. Like, there's, like you said, Josh, growing pains. We've got to be really patient here. And I apologize for taking more time, but I just no really worries. want, I, I really wanted to get that off my chest. Sounds good. And with that, James, it's your show. I'll turn it over to you to sign us off. Hey, this is Offside Hockey Talk, where hockey comes to talk. Make sure to check out everybody on each individual platform. Josh with the Orion Sportscast and Antonia. Let everybody know where they can find you. Uh, my uh, With my podcast, at Hockey Chick, on Instagram and Twitter. All right, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy the weekend. Celebrate your mother. Treat her right. Give her a phone call, drop her some flowers, do the right thing. Cheers, folks.